Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning, First Orlando family. How are we feeling? Yeah. Hey, well, I, I am beyond honored to be here with you guys this morning, and I'm so grateful to Pastor David um, just for the opportunity to be able to speak to you. Um, and I'm just really just glad, glad for just for an amazing morning. Um, so a little bit about me. I got married about a year ago. So here is uh, me about a year ago with my beautiful wife, Lauren. Um, so we actually met here. We actually met here at First Orlando, actually through our young adult gathering, The Table. Um, so I'm originally from Texas, or God's country, as we like to call it. Lauren, Lauren grew up near Kissimmee, and growing up near Kissimmee, she developed an appetite for Hispanic food, which is fantastic because I'm half Puerto Rican and half Mexican, and I'll eat literally anything inside of a, tor- a tortilla. <laughs> so it works out really well, but it's been, a, it's been a really busy year for us. We actually just got our first house over the summer, um, and we're expecting. So here's a baby announcement. We're having our daughter, uh, Vera Victoria Trevino. Uh, do, do March 31st. Uh, so people ask us, Vera, is that like a family name? And we're like, no, we Googled it. So, <laughs> but man, I, I just love being here in Orlando. Um, I love my family and I love First Orlando and, and getting to worship with you. Um, and you know that if you've been tracking with us the last few weeks, either in person or online, um, that you know that we've been in a series called Unwrapping Christmas. And we've learned in the series um, that Jesus came into the world. And as Jesus came into the world, um, Pastor David's done an incredible job the last couple weeks helping us understand that Jesus is Word and also that Jesus is the light of the world, right? And Jesus is the only true light. And our natural response um, to Jesus being the true light is we want to let our light shine and point people to Jesus, So last Thursday, I was getting a haircut because I wanted to look fresh for you guys this morning. And as I was getting a haircut, I was able to talk to uh, my barber, and I've been going to him for a while now. Um, And we've been having, you know, we started having some of these spiritual conversations. Um, And he asked me, um, hey, so does your church, like, talk about Christmas stuff during Christmas? And I was like, why, yes, we do. And I was actually able to tell him about the series that we're doing, and I actually told him what we're talking about today. And today, we're talking that Jesus is life. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, um, we'll, that's where we'll camp out today. But to set us up as you're turning there. Um, so I'm originally from Texas. And about five years ago, uh, when I was still living um, there in Texas, um, I got invited to the, the church that I, where I was. Um, I, got, I got invited to go um, to the student ministry summer camp. Um, so middle schoolers and high schoolers are off to camp, off to Colorado to go to camp, and here I am helping lead the trip. Um, well, why were we there? Um, the student pastor, he's incredibly adventurous and very brave because he wanted to take the whole group whitewater rafting. You know, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with whitewater rafting. Um, whitewater rafting is where you basically have um, this plastic boat, and then you're going in a rushing river rapid, and you're just holding on for dear life, hoping for the best. Um, I know, I know. What could possibly go wrong? 
So we get the whole group together. There's about 100 of us. We get the whole group together, and um, they start covering all the safety instructions, right, where they give us the speech. And we all know the speech whenever you're about to do an extreme sport. So in this speech, they gather everyone together, and the, and the lady who's giving the speech, she starts where she says, Welcome to Arkansas River Tours, where safety is our number one priority. She says, please remain in the raft at all times. <laughs> at any point during the river tour, should you find yourself outside of the raft, you will find yourself in a low oxygen area, <laughs> which means you're drowning. <laughs> and when you find yourself in a low oxygen area, be part of your own rescue. Help us help you. She says if you find yourself in a low oxygen area and you're within seven feet, you'll want to grab onto an outstretched paddle to pull yourself back into the raft. Now, if you find yourself in a low oxygen area and you're within eight feet or beyond, I suggest you get to within seven feet so you can grab onto an outstretched paddle <laughs> and pull yourself back into the raft. Right? She says, don't stand up. If you find yourself in a low oxygen area, and don't stand up because your feet may get caught in a rock and you will stay in that low oxygen area forever. <laughs> she said, remember nose and toes, right? Um, you want to keep your nose out of the water and keep your toes out of the water. And she said, rescue yourself before you attempt to rescue others. So now, my group gets into the raft, um, and it's me, and I'm in my mid-20s at the time, it's me and a bunch of these very small middle school girls to paddle this very large raft. We're like, okay, well, I think we can do this, right? So our raft guide, his name was Jason, and now Jason looked and smelled like he had spent some time on the river, so it actually felt pretty good in his hands. So Jason starts where he says, all right, guys, we want to paddle together. Because if we don't paddle together, things may get a little crunchy. And by crunchy, he meant that we would be impaled by sharp rocks. <laughs> and if things get a little crunchy, we may all go swimming. And by swimming, he meant we would be violently thrown into a rushing river. And now we're off. So we start, we start paddling, and Jason says, paddle, and we paddle. And then he says, back paddle, back paddle. And then he says, turn left, and we turn left. And then he says, turn right, and we crunch, and we hit a rock. And when we hit this rock, our raft shoots straight up into the air. And we all know what goes up must come down. That's exactly right. So the raft is now facing forward. I can see the rushing river below me as our raft is vertical. And now um, the girl on the front right, bless her heart, she was immediately in the water. And now here I am on the front left, and I have this option to where I can either um, hold on and try to stay in, or here's what I was thinking at the time, right? Okay, well, here's this girl that just went into the water. I can probably go rescue her. I could be the hero. Um, as well as, I've been swimming in lakes before. Lakes are very pleasant, right? Well, not, back in Texas, not here in Florida, too many gators. Um, but I've been in lakes before. It's very pleasant. So let me just go into this water. I can rescue the girl. I can go for a swim. Well, I'll have a good time. So I let go of the raft, and I go in after this girl, and immediately I realize... This is very different than a calm lake. This is a rushing river. And the river is rushing and rushing and rushing. And here I am. Um, it was not pleasant at all. I'm splashing, I'm splashing. I'm frantically trying to stay alive. Here's what I was feeling. I was feeling at this time incredibly stressed, hopeless, and unhappy. 
Here I am uh, trying to experience this whitewater rafting. Here I am trying to have a good time with a group. And what I was feeling was stressed, hopeless, and unhappy. And then there were moments where the river just kind of takes me. I was floating along and I was feeling lifeless. Now, when we got back to Texas, I mean, it wasn't just whitewater rafting where I felt these things. I noticed seasons of my life where I also felt stressed, hopeless, and unhappy and lifeless. And the reason I mention this is because my suspicion is that for many of us here, we've experienced our normal lives. We're just going about our lives. And there have been seasons of our life where we also have experienced stress, hopelessness, and unhappiness. Right? For some of us, our stress looks like we're just constantly running to-dos, just on the go, to do, to do, to do. We're having to take care of the kids. We're having to take care of our parents. We're trying to be productive at work. We never feel like we have enough time. We never feel like we're doing enough. And that word enough just keeps coming up for us. We're never doing enough. We never have enough. We're in survival mode, just trying to stay afloat. Now, for some of us, we feel incredibly hopeless, right? Where we just, maybe hopelessness looks like we're just bored. We're trying to find out what's next. We're trying to figure out what's next. We're trying to feel something. We're trying to feel anything, just trying to find the next thing. And for some of us, for many of us, as we think through our life, we feel unhappy. So the question that I think many of us are asking this morning is this. What is it going to take for life to start getting better? The question I think many of us are asking is, what is it going to take for life to start getting better? Now, fortunately, we're not left alone trying to figure out how to experience life. All throughout the gospel, John talks about life and describes the life that I think we all want. So if you have our Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 1. We'll start looking at verse 4, where he says this in verse 4. He says, in him, in him was Jesus. In Jesus was, here's this word, life. In Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. Here's what John says, is that Jesus is life. John keeps writing. We're going to skip down to verse 11, where he says, and he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Here's the big idea that I think John is trying to teach us through this text, is that life begins by receiving and believing in Jesus. Life begins by receiving in believing in Jesus. So when it, when it comes to life, as John says, we'll see here in the text, there's two ways that we can consider life. Here, so let's look back at verse 13 where John writes, who were born, so we're talking about people that are born, um, and there's one aspect of being born of blood. But John also writes that there's another aspect of being born of God. So to help us understand this, we have this really nifty chart here um, to where it really helps us unpack what does John mean by being born of blood. Well, I think what John means is that we all have a biological life, right? We all have a biological life. All of us had a physical birth, right? So my daughter will be born um, late March, right? And um, I am terrified 
but also really excited at the thought of like my wife going through labor. <laughs> but I think that all of us have experienced, we probably didn't remember it, but all of us experienced being physically born. Our biological life is where we all start. But then something supernatural happens. Because along with our biological life, along with our natural life, something supernatural happens for those of us that put our faith and our trust in Christ is that God himself, the Holy Spirit, opens our eyes to see. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes so we can see him, and that's what creates this spiritual life. I I think the best way um, that I can help us think through this is there's been videos going around online that are absolutely incredible. And in these videos, what happens is there are people that are colorblind. So they look around the world and their vision is just very dull and they, they can't see the vibrancy of colors. And then um, there are these colorblind glasses that they put on. And whenever they put on these colorblind glasses, they can actually see the world in color for the first time. And as they see the world in color for the first time, they just start, typically start sobbing of how beautiful it is just seeing the world around them. And that's what it's like being born of God. It's because we no longer see the world in black and white. For the first time, we can see the world in color, and that is our new experience. John continues in verse 11 where he says, And he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Now, this word receive, um, this means to welcome, right? So to receive, to welcome, to embrace. So I'm, I'm Hispanic. Um, I grew up in a Latino family. If you're also Hispanic or you grew up in a Latino family, um, perhaps you get this. When you walk into a room, it takes about 30 minutes. And here's why. Because you have to say hi to every single person in the room, right? So I walk into rooms at family gatherings, and I'm like, hola tia, hola tia, you know, and I'm giving kisses and handshakes and hugs. I see all my cousins. I see all my family members and friends. Um, when you're Hispanic, you, you greet every single person in the room. You, you welcome them, right? Now, the worst thing that you could possibly do to shun a family member is not to receive them when they come into the room. That's basically saying, I hate you, right? Where they walk into the room and you're like, no, and you just walk away and don't acknowledge them. And that's basically what happens here, where Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Jesus walked into the room and his own people did not receive him, did not embrace him. But John writes in verse 12 where he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, here's this phrase, children of God. So whenever we're children of God in our spiritual life, um, being a child of God means that we get to call God Father. And whenever we get to call God Father, we don't need to earn our place in the family, right? So my last name's Trevino. My dad's last name is Trevino. His dad's last name is Trevino. My daughter's last name will be Trevino. There is nothing that I can do to earn my last name, and there's nothing that I can do to lose my last name. When we are children of God and we call God Father, it's a relationship that no wrong can ever spoil. So as you look back, I'm here at the chart, right? With our biological life, we're born of blood. Um, in our spiritual life, we're born of God. In our spiritual life, we're children of God. 
when we only consider our biological life, um, we reject Jesus, right? That's at our core. It's our flesh. We reject Jesus. So we choose to cut ourselves off from God. So in our biological life, we're not children of God. In our biological life, we are cut off from God. But as we consider our spiritual life, and as we consider ourselves being born of God, as we consider ourselves being children of God, here's, what, here's the life that we get to experience. It's a life that we get to experience abundant life, as John describes in John 10, and eternal life, as John describes in John chapter 5, right? So with an abundant life, what do I mean by that? In an abundant life, um, this is not one where we just receive a lot of possessions and material things and money and things and stuff. This is not the abundant life that God is describing. The abundant life that God is describing is an abundance of peace. It's an abundance of joy. It's an abundance of satisfaction. It's an abundance of feeling full, right? So we're looking for satisfaction, and we know that we will only truly be satisfied with life. We consider the abundant life that we have in Jesus. And the abundant life that we're experiencing now, we can experience for eternity with Jesus. So this is what he means by abundant and eternal life. However, whenever we consider our biological life, um, we don't experience an abundant life and eternal life. We experience a life that's scarce and fleeting. When we consider our resources, we feel like our resources are finite, and we never feel like we have enough time, and we never feel like we have enough money. This biological life ultimately is going to lead us to feeling stressed and hopeless and unhappy. Right? This is why, because we, we're only considering our biological life, and that's where we feel stressed and hopeless and unhappy. Our spiritual life, this is where we get to experience peace and hope and joy. So this became really real for me a few months ago. So my wife and I, a few months ago, um, were at home. Both of us had COVID, and we were trying to recover from COVID. And while we were there, we were just sick in bed, feeling absolutely terribly. Um, and in that moment, um, I, I realized, you know, whenever you're not feeling well, when you're feeling sick, you just like get to the bottom like your thoughts just start going and you just get to the bottom of what you actually know to be true and what you actually believe. So that's what I was feeling in that moment to where I started getting to the bottom of what I actually believed. And what I realized in that moment, I'm 31 years old and I've gotten everything in life that I've wanted up to this point in my life, right? I've had the most resources that I've ever had before in my life. My wife and I just got a house. I actually had a wife in the first place, which was awesome. Um, you know, we, we had this new baby um, along the way. I have these new opportunities and new advancements in front of me. I have everything in life that I've ever wanted right now in this moment. And in this moment, I had to come realize because I started feeling stressed. I started feeling hopeless, right? I started feeling unhappy. But then I started thinking, whoa, why, why am I feeling this way? And I had to remind myself of this th truth that I knew to be true, which is it's not about the gifts of life. It's about the giver of life. Here I am experiencing all these gifts, and these gifts, although they're incredible, they're not leading to me feeling peace and happiness in this moment, right? What is ultimately going to satisfy me is the giver of life himself, which is Jesus. And I had to remind myself that. That's a concept that I knew to be intellectually true, but I just experienced it on a whole nother, a whole nother level once I started thinking through that. 
Um, so John, Jesus actually writes here in John 14, 6, where, he, where Jesus, said, Jesus said to him, I am the way in the, tr- in the truth and, what's this word here, and the life. It's interesting, whenever Jesus says this here, he's actually one of his final words on his way to be crucified. Do you think that as Jesus is on his way to be crucified, you think he would be feeling a little stressed? Yes? Do we think that perhaps um, there were, it was an unhappy moment, perhaps a moment that could have caused hopelessness? And this is what Jesus is saying, is that Jesus in that circumstance, he didn't process life like the rest of us. He processed life a lot differently. And Jesus knew in that moment what he was feeling, and he knew what we times often feel with our circumstances, with our biological life, that we feel stressed, we feel hopeless, and feel unhappy. But Jesus here is saying, I am the life. I am the life. We will never find peace. We will never find hope. We will never find joy outside of Jesus. And this is the life that Jesus wanted to give his people. This is the life that started with Jesus. And this is the life that Jesus gives to us. When we consider our biological life, it will lead to death, right? We're walking and we're living and we're dead. That's what only considering our biological life leads to. It leads to death. But when we consider our spiritual life, that's what leads to life. That's where we feel life abundantly, life in the fullest, life with Jesus. Um, I was meeting with a guy just last week. Uh, we were meeting, and he just started coming here to First Orlando, and he actually just started coming during the, the, the previous series that we just did, the What's So Amazing About Grace series. And he started coming and hearing Pastor David and actually realized— he wanted new life in Jesus, right? So he, this is what he told me. He said, when he gave his life to Jesus, this is what he said. He said, I was living, but I didn't have life. And this is why Jesus came, to rescue us from death, right? And this is, um, this is the gospel. This is the Christmas we get to celebrate. And here's the big idea, is that life begins by receiving and believing in Jesus. So what does that mean for us? How do we respond? Well, here's how we respond. Um, we look at John uh, ch- uh, chapter 1, verse 12, where he says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, when we look at this word receive, um, and this word receive, um, remember, it means to welcome, to embrace. Um, this word believe is really interesting, though. This word belief is not, not an idea. It's not an abstract thought. It's not a concept. Here's what the word belief, um, a helpful way to think through it, is belief is a commitment to trust. It's consistent action toward Jesus. So remember my whitewater rafting story. Um, The safety instructor, she is there. She's giving words of life, and she is speaking life to everyone to have the fullest experience of whitewater rafting. And her words are saying how to have the fullest experience. And with her words, she's saying, don't stand—she said, stay in the raft. She said, don't stand up. She said, don't try to rescue others, right? And at the end, she said, do you understand? Do you hear my words? Do you believe me, Right? And I said that I received her words, but the reality was that I didn't believe her. Because when I was in the water, I did everything the safety instructor said not to do. I I went into the water, I stood up, I tried rescuing the girl. And had you asked me after the safety instruction speech, um, if I, you know, received her words, I would have said, of course I receive her words. I have them memorized. I can even quote them in Greek and Hebrew. But when it came down to act, my actions proved 
what I actually believe. Because here's, here's this. We say what we think, but you act what you believe. You say what you think, but you act what you believe. See, what saved me, what rescued me, was finally believing her. So I stopped standing up, actually put my nose out of the water, my toes out of the water. Um, I stopped trying to rescue the girl. Um, uh, Jason, in all his river rafting glory, was able to come and rescue me. The big idea. Life begins by receiving and believing in Jesus. Now, I think for some of us, some of the lies that we believe are, we feel like as we think through life, is that God is actually trying to rob us of life. And we think that we know what's best, and God's version of our life is not the best version, and God wants to take away the best version of our life. And the reality is, is God is not trying to rob you of your life. God is actually trying to free you and give you life in Him. Or for some of us, uh, we may feel that um, we've messed up in church. Sorry, we've messed up so much. And we're actually here this morning at church and we feel like, you know, the building's gonna catch on fire because we walked in, because we just, we've messed up so much. And you're like, Isaac, you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what my plans are later today, right? And we just feel like we need to earn our way back to God to prove it. And we feel judged and we feel like God is just judging us when we think through our life. And the reality is, is God is not judging us. God actually sent his son Jesus to take our place. And all we need to do is to receive and to believe. So the big idea is life begins by receiving and believing in Jesus. You know, we're asking, what is it going to take for life to get better? Here's what it's going to take. is to receive and believe in Jesus. So here's uh, some reflection questions to wrap up our time. Um, one, receive. Have you received Jesus? Have you really received Jesus? Jesus being in the same room, learning about Jesus, doesn't mean we've actually received him. You can actually experience life in Jesus today by receiving him, by welcoming him. Um, the second question is around belief. Um, a couple years ago, I was having a really hard time I'm experiencing life in God. I'm having a hard time connecting with God. And I was talking with a friend mentor of mine, um, and he asked me, Isaac, hey, I, I know you're having a hard time connecting with God right now. Um, what was the last thing you heard from God? And I told him. And he said, well, do you believe? Do you, and did you, do you want to do what God's called you to do? Like, have you done what God's called you to do? And I said, no. He's like, oh, well, there, there you go, man. Just do that and see if that works. I'm like, oh, I was like, that's genius. Like, did you come up with that? And he's like, no, I stole that from Henry Blackaby. So here's the quote, is that whenever silence comes, continue doing the last thing God told you to do and watch and wait for a fresh encounter with him. So the second question is, have you, what does doing the last thing look like? So here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray for us because I want you to receive Jesus. Some of us have never received Jesus for the first time. And when I pray, I want you to pray along with me so you can experience this fullest life in Jesus for the first time. And I'm also going to pray for those of us, perhaps who we've received, and we need to continue cultivating, believing Jesus, trusting him, doing the last thing that God has called us to do. Let's pray. Father, I'm just praying for my friends here, God, and I'm praying for the first time ever, some of us just need to receive you. God, so I'm praying um, for my friends, perhaps sitting here right now, just, just wanting to welcome you, to receive you, God. You're here in the same room, God, and I'm praying they receive you just into their hearts, God, and welcome you into their lives and submit to you. I'm also praying for my friends here, God, 
that they will continue cultivating belief, consistent action toward you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.